you have done nothing that would in any way permanently separate you from the love of God. He is calling you and respond every minute with, Lord, I am here and I'm ready to do your will, be it when you're joyful or be it when you're in despair. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's wonderful, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about beauty and the power of beauty to change the world. Ralph Waldo Emerson described beauty as God's handwriting. Frederick Beekner wrote this about beauty. Beauty is to the spirit what food is to the flesh. A glimpse of it in a young face, say, or an echo of it in a song, fills an emptiness in you that nothing else under the sun can. Unlike food, however, it is something you never get your fill of. It leaves you always aching with longing, not so much for more of the same as for whatever it is, deep within and far beyond both it and yourself, that makes it beautiful. The beauty of holiness is how the Psalms name it, and as the deer longs for water, so my soul longs after thee, is the way they describe the ache and the longing. Our guest today is world-renowned master pianist, composer and performer, Eric Genus. Eric has dedicated his life to bring beauty to the marginalized. In 2015, he launched Concerts for Hope, and he's traveled all over the world performing in prisons. As he says, quote, my hope is not to entertain. My hope is to provide dignity. If we all collectively take our little gifts, we can make the world a better place, end quote. It's a beautiful message of hope and joy and wonder. He talks about how a piano opened up a whole world to him. He talks about Cicero and Plato and what true charity looks like. And he shares some profoundly moving stories, like the one about what happened one time when he was playing a concert in a children's prison and one 15-year-old stood up. But I'll let him tell you that story. As Martin Luther said, beautiful music is the art of the prophets that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. It is such a beautiful mission and calling, and I can't wait for you to hear from him. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Eric Genus. My name is Eric Genus, and I'm a composer, and I perform my own music, and I perform music throughout the world, and I play in every venue you can imagine. So we play in concert halls of all sizes. And then I play for a lot of celebrity events and I play in a lot of country clubs as fundraisers. But then I play in a lot of very dark areas. For the last 30 years of my life, I've sort of chosen to perform in prisons. So I've played over a thousand shows in prisons, including death row and places like that. 
men in women's prison and prisons for children. And the stages are very real. They're very raw and they're very hidden. And I play for very broken, broken people. And I play in a lot of rehab centers and for a lot of people in inner city schools as well. And I do it predominantly because I believe so much in the impact of beauty and what beauty means to the person, what beauty means to the soul, and what beauty means to civilization. So when I was a kid, I started studying piano and I grew up in Canada. So my parents would say, okay, time to practice the piano. And I was like every other kid, my friends are playing street hockey. I'm not going to practice the piano when my friends are playing street hockey. So I grabbed my hockey stick and ran out the back door. But when I was about 10 years old, and I thought to myself, I thought, well, let me see how good at this thing I can get. And it was a miracle. The more I practiced, the better I got. Imagine that. And then what I did was I found and developed a love for composing. So I started to think this piano opens me up to the world. And I still feel that at 56 years old, every time I sit down to compose a piece, it's like a whole new world. It's like, you know, entering into, you know, just this world that is so beautiful and endless and the awe and the wonder and the mystique of life. What a gift. But then, you know, I just started playing in places and people started asking me to perform, you know, for their organizations. And then I started to perform all over. Now, unlike any other time in history, our young have full exposure to music. They have full exposure. They can listen to whatever they want, whenever they want, in any environment they want, as many times as they want. They're not restricted by anything. I play for thousands of third graders every year. But if you give a third grader a steady diet of you know, aggressive music, then they're going to look at life through the lens of aggression and anger. And if you give a kid you know, steady diet of pessimistic music and music that is cynical, they will look at life through the lens of cynicism, of pessimism, and of no hope. And if you give a child beauty, then they will look at life through the lens of the awe and wonder that we were all meant to view life. And so I look at this and I think, you know, the impact, even Plato talked about it. He said, if you want to govern a nation, you don't need the laws. All you need is the music. And then he went on to say, music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe and wings to the mind and flight to the imagination and a charm and a gaiety to life and to everything. Confucius said, you know, if you want to know the morality of a nation, let me hear the music and I'll tell you of the morality. We've always known for thousands of years the impact of music. One of my most impactful encounters in these environments is I was playing for a youth prison there was about 300 kids and they were all tried and convicted as adults. These are 15 year old kids that are about to go away for 30 plus years. And the one boy who was the leader in the room stood up in the end of the show and he said, can I hear that violin alone? He was so moved by the violin throughout the show and the violinist played and he started to weep in front of 300 other tough criminal children. And now that's a no-no. That's a sign of weakness. In the prison world, socially, you don't cry. I've had men leave my show because they're crying. And so this boy stood up and he said, that violin's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Why have I never heard it before? This one man doing a double life sentence for a double murder stood up in the middle of the second piece 
and he yelled out, I forgot what hope felt like. And I was so moved that he was so moved. And I instantly felt ashamed because I thought to myself, you know, I've never given a second thought to these people. I've never given a second thought. You know, I could have lived my life and played in concert halls and never thought about them at all. And I could have lived just fine, except it wouldn't have been just fine. And so when I when that happened, I thought there's a whole ton of people out there that are so easily forgotten. There's a lot of people in this world that are easy to love. And then a lot of people in this world that are tough to love. And I have completely allowed myself to ignore those that are tougher to love. This is why I go in. It's for people like that young man. I thought this is worthy of throwing my life at. Nobody cares about the stages. Nobody cares about the glory. Nobody cares about the celebrity status. That stuff is is all irrelevant when we die. You know, nobody's going to remember that stuff. But the impact that you make is something that could have eternal consequences. And so I look at, at beauty and I think I've been given this gift to be able to create music. I'll go wherever asked. I know they've done tough things and a lot of people have been hurt by criminality. So, and I get a lot of emails regarding that. Why do you go in and play? I don't understand why you're wasting your life playing for these people. And I understand their pain, but that's when I've sort of decided we give up on nobody. As soon as we start giving up on people and looking at, you know, sort of one life is more valuable or worthwhile than another, then we really have dismissed the whole concept of the mystery of life and who we are and the, the, the purpose and the meaning and the dignity. It's not glamorous, but it is glorious. Our concept of charity, which is a very popular concept, is to go and help people, let's say, in nursing homes. Like, for example, the, the, the traditional go and, you know, play music for people in nursing homes. And it makes them very happy and they're very grateful. And we leave the nursing home feeling good about ourselves that we've done something which is appropriate. And, you know, we, we've done something good and charitable to them. That's the face of one form of charity. Another face of charity is to go to that person who sucks the air out of the room, who sucks the joy out of the room, is not pleasant to be around, is not fun to be around, is difficult to connect with. Go and sit with them. Nobody asked you to heal them. All that we're asked to do is to go and be with them. Just by being with them, you don't have to be a pianist, you don't have to be a cellist or a violinist, or you don't have to have any skills. Just go and be with them. We forgot what we mean to each other. Just by being with that person, you will uplift their humanity because just by being with them, what you're saying is you are worthwhile for me to be there and you are uplifting their humanity and you're going to walk away and you may feel frustrated and you may feel like it did nothing and you may feel like all you did was go there and sort of waste your hour and to something that was very joyless. But the reality is that perhaps is the most charitable act when you feel like you got nothing out of it, when you walk out of a charitable situation more angry than you walked in, that may very, and more frustrated than you walked in. Our Lord didn't ask us to evaluate this stuff. You know, he created everybody in his image and that is a very complex reality. The question is, what does that look like? 
Well, it involves reflection, it involves abandonment, it involves action. It's not easy, it's not obvious, but it's so worthwhile. It is such a worthwhile pursuit to recognize that every person has a soul and every person has been called to be drawn close to Christ. Christ is constantly pursuing that person. And through charitable works and inviting others, whether it's directly or indirectly, inviting them to a higher sense of humanity, and ultimately that higher sense of humanity, God willing, leads them to a, a realization of their own spiritual reality and that God is calling them. This is a passage from the Jesus Storybook Bible called God to the Rescue. Joseph and his brothers grew old and died, but their children's children stayed on in Egypt where they became a very large family. Later on, a new king began to rule, but this pharaoh didn't remember Joseph and he didn't like God's people. He made them into his slaves and beat them and made them work harder and harder. God's people cried out to God to rescue them, and God heard them. He remembered his promise to Abraham. He would look after his people. He would find a way to set them free. One day, Moses was looking after sheep when someone caught his eye. A bush was behaving very oddly. It was flickering with flames, but its leaves weren't burning up. He took a closer look. Moses boomed a big voice. Moses leapt back. The bush was talking to him. I have heard my people's cries, God said. I have seen their tears, so I have come down to rescue them. Go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go free. Moses was afraid, but God said, I will be with you. That's a story of my life. I look at these prisons and I'm there with like a whole truckload of equipment thinking, what am I doing? Like I'm there at five in the morning, ready to go through checkpoint to play like three or four concerts in a row. But you just go, you just go. And so I love this. Moses wasn't sure, didn't know what he was doing, didn't feel like he had the appropriate skills, but you just go. So I love this passage. I, I get a lot of, of strength from it. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.